0: diving into the implications of Shohei Ohtani's unprecedented contract with someone who has negotiated his share of MLB deals, plus some of the biggest names in sports are creating nostalgia for something that never happened, and the ratings for the in-season tournament are a dream for the NBA. It's Wednesday, December 13th, I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter and this is Front Office Sports Today. Tom Brady, Major League Baseball, the New England Patriots, three MLB Hall of Famers, Topps, and its parent company Fanatics are all teaming up to promote a product celebrating something that never happened. In 1995, five years before he was selected 199th overall by the Patriots, Brady was drafted by the Montreal Expos in the 18th round with the 507th pick. He didn't sign with the team, and you know the rest. Now, Topps is releasing a card celebrating the career that wasn't imagining a Brady baseball legacy that was equal to his football career, including the three MVPs and seven championships. And to let people know, they put out an ad featuring three Expos greats, Pedro Martinez, Larry Walker, and Vlad Guerrero Sr., reminiscing about Brady and how his incredible baseball career helped keep the Expos in Montreal. Another fanatics company, Mitchell & Ness, is releasing 507 Brady Expos jerseys. Baseball cards are about nostalgia and owning a piece of history. That's why a 1914 Babe Ruth card just sold for $7.2 million earlier this month. Even as the trading card market has cooled off post-pandemic, the top end of the market is still holding its value and seeing sales that break records or come close. Now, some of the biggest names in sports and collectibles are seeing if they can drum up that same level of sentiment over an alternate history. Charlotte FC, the MLS team owned by David Tepper, who also owns the Carolina Panthers, has been searching for a head coach who can stick around. Like the Panthers, Charlotte doesn't keep head coaches for very long. They've played two seasons in MLS and they just hired their third head coach. But the latest one, just announced on Tuesday, has a name that is revered in North Carolina sports lore, and that is Dean Smith. Charlotte's new coach has an exceptionally high bar to meet when it comes to Carolina coaches named Dean Smith. The other Dean Smith coached NC's basketball team for 37 years, building that program into one of the most storied in the country and developing talent like Michael Jordan. The new Dean Smith was last seen as the interim coach for Leicester City in a disastrous year that saw that team get relegated. He won't have to worry about relegation in MLS, but he will have to worry about working for David Tepper, who is averaging one coach per year with Charlotte FC and the Panthers. Lastly, if you needed one more piece of evidence that the NBA in-season tournament worked out, the final between the Lakers and Pacers averaged 4.6 million viewers across ABC and ESPN2. That's the highest viewership for a non-Christmas regular season NBA game in nearly six years. ESPN, TNT, and likely NBC, Amazon, Apple, even Netflix will be checking in on the price to own the rights to the tournament, which the league can now use to juice the price of its overall rights or sell as a standalone package. Up next, former Miami Marlins president David Sampson explains why the LA Dodgers and their truly unique deal with Shohei Otani is a problem for baseball. We dive into all of that, plus why we're going to see two East Coast teams get sold in the coming years. and That conversation is coming up next. I am joined now once again by the host of Nothing Personal with David Sampson. David Sampson. Welcome, David Sampson. Hello there. How are you? Great. Great to have you back. So let's talk Otani. First, we heard that this deal was $70 million per year for 10 years. Then it came out that all but... Uh, $20 of that is deferred, $68 million per year is coming for the 10 years after the deal is expired. MLB has a way of calculating the competitive balance tax for this. And the calculation is that this is about $46 million per year for the Dodgers purposes. So some people are thinking of this as more like a $460 million deal. How do you think of this Otani deal? You're getting me worked up again. I've been talking about the (laughs) Otani deal on nothing personal since Saturday.
1: And I can only tell you that uh, my stomach hurts. And the reason my stomach hurts is that I've always known the Dodgers were financial bullies. And they did it to us when we were in the game. They would take our bad players in return, our players who were being paid money and were not performing as long as we gave them an extra prospect or international bonus money or any sort of anything that would give them an advantage. Because to them, they throw around cash like it didn't matter because to them it doesn't matter because they're so full of cash. All the RSN issues that are facing all the teams, not the Dodgers, they've got a deal set in stone that is way over market. So deferred money is a concept that is talked about within the ownership circle and at owners meetings all the time. It's an incredibly dangerous thing to do deferred money for almost all the teams, because the worst part about a season is when you pay injured players. That is a major problem that teams have. You think of it as money on the injured list. We look at it as paying players not to play. That overarching concept is a problem. Deferred money is the definition of that problem. You are paying players not to play. Ten years from now, and for the next 10 years after, the Dodgers will pay Shohei Otani $68 million every July 1st not to play. The Marlins can't do that. The Royals can't. There are maybe three teams who could consider doing that. And when you've got teams at the top who are taking advantage of rules and actually doing it to their advantage and to the concomitant disadvantage of the other teams, especially the small revenue and small market ones, that's the beginning of an owner-on-owner problem and we've talked about it, you and I, in this show. This moment in time is going to be talked about not just today with us, but when we get to the next collective bargaining agreement. That's how significant this is. Because if I'm running a team today, I am changing the rules, starting with, don't give me this $46 million hogwash with discount rates that are negotiated with the union. I want every penny that is being paid to a player to count toward the luxury tax and the competitive balance tax of a team. Every penny. The whole damn purpose that we negotiate levels called the Steve Cohn tax is that we don't want teams to go over that level. And if they do, we want it to be punitive. We don't want them to find loopholes, to have higher payrolls, but not counted against the tax. And that's what the Dodgers did. As you can tell, I'm worked up.
0: The Dodgers and Otani agreed to this deal Presumably, they're both happy with it. You know, the Dodgers get their guy. Otani gets his many, many millions while having a team that can still afford Yamamoto or whoever they want. Who's mad here? It sounds like the other owners and the commissioner, the, the, the bottom 20 teams and the commissioner, too. Why is the commissioner, mad? Because the commissioner doesn't want to fight owners on owners. He wants to
1: fight the players union and you can't fight the players union if your owners can't get along. The commissioner's main job is for owners to get along and make sure that no factions exist and no voting blocks exist. And this deal is a problem. And let me tell you why the Dodgers are happy. And I talked about this a couple of days ago on Nothing Personal. They're not paying Otani any interest on his money. And interest rates where they are, and Mark Walter and Guggenheim Partners being who they are, they can actually carve out the money they owe to Otani, invest it today in the safest investment of all time. And I talked about this on the show, and I even put a clip of it on Twitter. And they can literally clip coupons and pay Otani the 68 and collect way more than 68 guaranteed investment returns by taking money right now and buying long term treasury. That's the insanity of Otani not asking for interest. So the whole concept of the deal as structured, the Dodgers went too far. When the Nationals did it with Scherzer, 50% deferred. We were annoyed, but we weren't losing our minds. When the Dodgers deferred Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, man, that stinks, but we're not losing our minds. But now they've done it. You give a mouse a piece of cheese and they ask for the whole cube. That's not the expression. I just mixed a metaphor, but (laughs) you know what I'm talking about. The Dodgers have now gone too far. When you split 70 into two and 68, give me a small break.
0: Yeah. And so is this going to be a problem for the future Dodgers? Because not only do they have $68 million a year going to Otani, like you mentioned, Mookie Betts has $115 million in deferred money. Freddie Freeman has $57 million. That's all getting paid through the late 2020s in, and through most of the 2030s. Is, you know, whoever the Dodgers owner is in 2035, are they going to be pretty angry?
1: Well, great question. So the way that works is if the Dodgers do sell, there will be a purchase price adjustment. If you agree that the Dodgers are worth $5 billion, you look at what the future obligations are of the team and you say, wait a minute, we owe Otani $680 million. He never even played for us. I'm not writing him a check for $680 million. You pay $680. If we agree the enterprise is worth $5 billion, we're only going to give you $4.32 billion or $4.32 billion. So that will be what's called the purchase price adjustment. Either way, this current ownership
0: group is paying the money to Otani. Got it. And um, so I mean, this is already kind of a trend. You mentioned Scherzer, Betts and Freeman. Do you think this opens the door to, you know, let's say Yoshinobu Yamamoto saying, I want $200 million, but I'll take whatever, $300 million, just pay me over an extra 10 years. Are we going to see more of this? Listen, the reason why we would do backloaded contracts, Owen,
1: not deferred contracts. Backloaded is when you pay a guy, uh, we gave Graham Lloyd $9 million for three years. Except in year one, let's say we gave him a million. In year two, $2 2000000 And then in year three, $6 million. That's not deferred comp. That's just how you structure the payments of the deal. The definition of deferred comp is when you're paying a player who's no longer under contract to be on your team. So that's deferred comp. Not many owners want to do deferred comp because when you're calculating what's available for payroll, you want all the money to go to players who are actually playing for you. And if you have to pay Otani $68 million and you're counting that as your payroll, but you don't have Otani and you have a $300 million payroll, which very few teams have, but let's say you do, that means you only get 232. That doesn't make sense. Which is why I believe the Dodgers are segregating those funds. They're not going to count all this deferred money against their current payroll, whereas 25 of the other teams would have to do that. When the Marlins did their payroll every year, we counted money that we owed to players who weren't playing because that's cash out of the owner's pocket. When you're owned by a corporation or a company like Guggenheim Partners, you've got the liquidity, you've got the riches to not have to do it that way.
0: If you are, you know, let's say the Royals, the Marlins, or you know, the, take take any team, Cardinals, Cubs, can't you just do what the Dodgers are presumably doing of taking that whole seventy million, putting it somewhere, you know, putting it in, in Treasury bonds, something safe, and just saying, you know, and that's that's going to be profit down the road. Where are you getting the seventy million from? Um, I mean, if you're the Dodgers, you you get it
1: from your your very rich owners. You have two hundred ninety five billion under assets under management. If you are, even if you're rich because you own a team that's worth $3 billion, that doesn't mean you're liquid. And just because you bought the team at 200 and it's now worth $3 billion, you don't look at your bank account. And when you go to the ATM and there's a balance that says $2.8 billion, you're like, oh, I can afford to buy that extra sweater. It doesn't actually work that way. You don't realize that increase in value until you sell something and you have to come up with current day money. It's the same with your house if you have a mortgage on your house and your payment is 1000 a month, but your house goes up $100,000, you don't get that $100,000. You still have to come up with a grand a month to pay your mortgage. You can't say, well, wait a minute, my house is worth more. Well, the mortgage company won't take that as payment.
0: And I want to zoom in on the, the next CBA uh, just for another moment. What do you think is going to happen here? Listen, I don't want to
1: start with doom and gloom because I love baseball. I hate work stoppages. I didn't enjoy the lockout, though. I think that's when we probably got to know each other best. And there's plenty of content that surrounds a baseball lockout and a baseball strike. But as I told you, when this agreement happened, there's a lot of things that a lot of owners didn't like about this agreement, but it was a wait to see, which is one of my catchphrases. Let's see how it plays out. Let's see how actors act. Let's see what the Dodgers do. Let's see what Steve Cohn does. We won't know for sure. Let's see if the Steve Cohn tax actually makes a difference to Steve Cohn's spending. And we're learning year after year that those tax thresholds, they matter. So what teams are doing is they're making contracts longer. The Premier League just recently made it five year maximum for contracts. Count me in. I would fight to the death to a stoppage of work to get a minimum, uh, excuse me, to get a maximum number of years that you can have a player under contract for. And I'm the one who gave Stanton 13 years. So I understand that that could be looked at as, wow, David, why are you doing this? The answer is owners need to be helped for themselves. And if they have a loophole, it's the commissioner's job to close it. And the loophole is all these long deals, all these deferrals, and they have to find a way to close that loophole,
0: and so yeah, you you put a cap on on deal length, but also say deferred money doesn't count yeah you know, that, that all counts toward your current cbt amount hundred percent if I am, I can get eight owners today,
1: literally today. We'll finish this podcast, and I will go on the phone. I can get a vote a voting block of eight right now to make it so the rules that we demand of the union that the calculation of cbt changes that the entire contract is a cbt hit during the length of the
0: contract mm-hmm. and how long would you put the the max contract length
1: so i would find a way to make 10 years the longest but only in certain circumstances but frankly it should be 6 But I understand that there's some players, if they're free agents at 25, that you can reasonably give a 10-year contract to. But a 31-year-old, even a 10-year contract, or a 30-year-old, or a 29-year-old, Shohei Otani at 39 will not be the best pitcher or the best hitter in baseball. He simply will not be. He'll be worth $2 though, don't get me wrong.
0: Yeah, and $2 in 20, <laughs> you know, whatever we're talking about um, is, you know, that's going to be, three, right. Yeah, something. that's going to be like 500000 now. You and I will be worth $2 million by then. <laughs> right, exactly. Podcasting, well, you know, um, <laughs> big, big, big money then. Uh, before we let you go, I just want to hit you up on one other topic. Uh, the Baltimore Orioles have received a bid to buy the team. Not clear that they're for sale, but it seemed notable that someone's, someone's putting out a bid for a team that's had a lot of chaos at the ownership levels.
1: I had on Nothing Personal last week, I think, when that came out, two wait to seize, and I'll give them to you now. The Orioles and the Nationals are both going to sell. And the Angelos sons are saying the Orioles are not for sale. That's horse hockey. Every team's always for sale. It's just a matter of price. But the Angelos family, once Peter passes away, and he's not really operating the team anymore, there is such discord within that family. As you know, there were lawsuits. And it's just a matter of figuring out what the price is. And the reason the Nationals and Orioles haven't sold yet is because of the Masson problem. Buyers are having a hard time valuing the TV. The Orioles and Nationals are having a hard time believing the value may be lower because Masson is such a mess and the fighting between the Orioles and Nationals is ongoing. So there's a problem. There has not been a marriage evaluation. We saw it happen with the Anaheim Angels. Artie Moreno was going to sell, but couldn't get his price. And then pretend that he wanted to keep the team to win a World Series for the people of Anaheim, which was, of course, ridiculous. He didn't get his price. And the reason he didn't get his price is he thought everything's going sky high, no bubbles here, TV's great, no worries. And buyers were saying, hmm, we're not so sure about this broadcast media landscape, correctly so. So I do believe the uh, Orioles will sell. Uh, it will not be without an auction. And I laugh because Angelos bought the team at auction in 1993. And that was a bankruptcy auction from the estate of uh, the former owner. But it won't be a, a, like a Sotheby's auction. But I do believe that uh, when it's time for the Orioles to sell, that they will get multiple bids. Uh, and it won't
0: just be this deal with the Carlisle Group. And do the Orioles have to go first because of that whole Masson issue? Is it going to be new ownership that solves this? I would say settlement
1: has to happen before either team sells. They're working. They just had a settlement of a five-year period. They have one more five-year period to fight about, and then they're all realizing that the current five-year period is pretty crappy, so that impacts both teams pretty significantly.
0: David Sampson, always enjoy having you on. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. That's it for today. Subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice. We'll keep the good stuff coming through your holiday travels. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.